the podcast comes full circle as I go from Anchor to self-hosting, back to Anchor, and I explain all that. And today I throw shade at my photographer who shot photos at the wedding I did video for. Oh, snap. So you may have noticed the podcast is back. And a big major factor in why I sort of stopped making episodes was number one, I got busy, but publishing new episodes was kind of a bear. I was using the WordPress plugin called Podlove, which is very cool. It allows you to self-host your own podcast on your own server using a CDN or your own website. Uh, It's super versatile. You can do almost anything with it. Uh, But that flexibility comes with a cost. It's a little bit more of a hassle. I can't just create an episode, edit it, make an MP3 file and upload it, maybe write some show notes and be good. Uh, I had to sort of, I had to do all the editing, create the MP3 file, then I had to publish it on my CDN, and then I had to create a more complicated post inside of WordPress in order to create the episode. And I mean, it it was kind of cool and it was kind of annoying all at the same time, but whether here nor there, it, was, it basically slowed me down. It was friction for me to create these podcast episodes. So I switched back to Anchor. See, I originally started on Anchor.fm, uh, but I was a little worried about it because at the time, it was before Spotify bought it. Um, they weren't really clear what they were doing. To me, I was a little worried about Anchor because it seemed like a lot of startup tech products where they'll have a really cool product, they'll le- release it for free build up a user base. And then at some point they'll realize, Hey, I got to monetize this thing. And so they'll start charging or something. And I didn't really see a clear path for how they were going to monetize their product. And now that Spotify's bought it, they've made it clear through things like, uh, you know, sponsorship programs and things with other vendors. Uh, that's how they plan to monetize it. And, uh, it sort of gets swept back in through the Spotify main brand. And so I think anchor.fm is going to continue to be free for content creators And so I was willing to switch back to it. So that's exciting. Anchor is a lot easier to use and it's got a lot of tools that I can use on my mobile phone for recording and even editing the podcast and splicing them together, creating transitions, all kinds of cool stuff. You can go look it up, check it out, anchor.fm and see what it's all about if you're interested in making a podcast for yourself. So now that I'm back on Anchor, I really hope that I can produce these shows more often. And, you know, talk about photography, talk about videography, all kinds of stuff on a more easy basis. I just want to sit down, record some thoughts, have an interview, do all the things, export, upload, write a few words, and hit publish and be done. And I have to worry about it anymore. The only thing I'm a little worried about is I want to continue to have it on my blog. And I still have the first 24 episodes there sort of as a legacy. I want to make sure that all of uh, the new, all the podcast readers out there update to my new feed. So I'm going to keep the old one live. It's kind of technical and I don't really understand exactly how it's going to play out. But um, at some point I'm going to start posting these new episodes on my blog or I might create its own little section kind of like the podcast was there before. But regardless, I'm back. I'm publishing these episodes on Anchor. If you have any questions, let me know. Um, I'm thinking about the Anchor has this voice message feature where you people can basically ask me questions or input things and say things that I can then easily integrate into the show and create content that I can respond to. Um, If you have questions about me or photography or anything, I'd love to test that out. So if you could head over to my uh, anchor.fm slash Eric Leslie, there's a place where you can leave a voice message. If you leave a message for me, just say hi, that'd be cool. 
let me know you're listening. It doesn't even have to be a question. I just want to hear and make sure it's working and give it a shot. So check that out. So this last weekend, I shot a wedding film and I worked with another photographer. His name is Mark. Um, I probably won't say what city because I don't want to call him out necessarily, but you could probably figure it out. There's probably not a whole lot of photographers named Mark in my area. Anyway, Mark's a great guy. He's super awesome with the, the clients, the way he works with them. Um, he's really great at building up group photos and getting them all perfect and you know, making sure that uh, the small details like hair isn't all bunched up or uh, food in the teeth or a coat that's bunched up. He's very good at catching those details and working with people and staying on schedule. All that was super awesome. Um, but I want to talk about sort of this idea of kind of doing business as usual, not really growing and finding new ways to do things. Um, I kind of consider him what I think of like an old school photographer. He's got this big, huge rig that he puts his camera on that lets him rotate the camera inside the rig uh, between vertical and horizontal orientation. And then it holds his flash like 12 inches above the hot shoe or some distance um, to sort of create a little bit of separation so it doesn't feel like direct flash, uh, which is generally kind of a no-no just because it's not very flattering to have just high level light flashed right in your face. It just creates no depth, no shadows, nothing. It's just fill light to make it so you get good photos. Um, but this, you know, these rigs, like it's a big L bracket, but holds the flash up a little higher off the camera. In my opinion, it still looks like fill flash. And uh, as awesome as Mark was working with people, he pretty much shot every single photo with that rig. And it's big and heavy. He would like keep it on a tripod or a monopod to, to bear the weight. But even then he was carrying around all this equipment, even in tight quarters. Uh, and it was basically carrying more weight was than I was holding a gimbal with a mirrorless Nikon camera on it. I mean, he was lumping around all of this heavy gear. Um, so number one, it's a lot more physically demanding to sort of have that big heavy gear. I mean, he was shooting with a 7200 most of the days. I mean, he didn't use primes. I mean, he lugged around some weight and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't recommend that for an all day event like a wedding. Um, but going back to the fill flash problem, uh, it just isn't very flattering. I mean, it sort of helps you deal with situations because like at weddings, you don't always have the best lighting. So you, you might have to put them in the shade and there might be a bright background. So you can use some fill flash to sort of balance out the exposure, like a shady foreground with a bright background. Um, but there's other ways to do that. You can have off-camera flash, and that's like a thousand times more flattering than just on-camera flash. Um, and then mix it up. You don't have to use that flash in every situation. Like even during the ceremony, he used it. If he was standing at the back of the aisle, he used it. And I don't know that that flash was actually, you know, traveling all the way to the front, you know, where the bride and groom were standing. Uh, they'd use it indoors during the reception, cake cutting, pretty much every detail, like getting ready in the bridal suite. Uh, I didn't see a situation when he didn't use the flash. And in my opinion, uh, I don't know, you need to add some variety. I mean, you need to do some natural light. If you're going to use flash, I mean, maybe even bounce it off the ceiling. I understand using flash indoors because sometimes the light is muddy or you got incandescent or you got a mixture of light temperatures, color temperatures, and you want to sort of smooth it out with your own flash. We'll bounce it off the ceiling it's a high ceiling, you can bring a, what I've done is bring up like a big studio strobe. So it's got more power, faster recycle times, and you can just sort of park it in a corner, bounce light off the ceiling. And then that puts this big flood of light that doesn't disrupt everyone because you're not shooting them in the face. 
because it's aimed up at the ceiling. It feels more natural when it's up that high. Uh, I've used that kind of fill light all the time as well. It's just, you know, I, I hate to be, a, I'm not trying to harp on him and maybe someday Mark will find this and he'll, you know, respond to it. But, because uh, he's a really great guy and I feel confident that he could hear this and not get too offended. But uh, mix it up and direct flash, even on a bracket that's holding the flash, you know, straight up. Uh, I don't know. It's not my favorite thing. And you know, some photographers like to point the flash straight up and they'll use some kind of like light dome, like a Gary Fong light diffuser on the, on the speed light. And that might wash. It's kind of the same look, except that it's shooting, it's shooting light up at the ceiling. It's shooting light everywhere. So you get a little bounce. It's not a hundred percent direct and it's a little softer, but even then I'm not a big fan of that either. I mean, set up situations where you can be successful without that flash. Like if it's bright outside, I mean, you can still shoot full sun. You can put their backs to the sun. You can do situations where you find shade, where there's shade in the foreground and background, or even if it's full sun, you can have their face to the side and use the sun kind of like at a 45 degree angle, like it's a big off camera flash. And that way they're not squinting. There's all kinds of options and you don't have to be locked down to shade. A lot of people think you can't use the sun as a light, but uh, you can. And there's a lot of options uh, for lighting and direct flash should probably be the last option on your card. Um, And on that note, for options, I was shooting video that evening uh, and the DJ or the musician didn't actually bring any lighting for the dance floor and they just shut out all the lights in the entire building. So it was basically pitch black except for some like safety lights around the edges. Uh, so, you know, I was cranking the ISO really high and uh, I didn't feel like it was a clean enough image. So, so I was shooting video and I put on a, a hot shoot mounted battery operated uh, LED light, which basically is the same equivalent. It's direct light or direct continuous light. So I can shoot video of the dancing later in the evening Um, but even then, you know, I was trying to be polite and not use it too bright because I could, could have cranked that thing way up and to really get the, you know, to really flood the dance floor with light, but that's obtrusive. I noticed that people would like look at me and they'd be like, ah, it was glaring at them because it's definitely a little more offensive than a flash, which pops for a few, you know, thousands of a second. But I, I bring that up only because, you know, that was kind of my last resort. There was no other light. Um, I didn't bring a continuous light for this dance floor because I didn't think uh, they would actually shut out all the lights in the building, basically making it near pitch black. I mean, it was dark and uh, very difficult to see. So I brought that light out uh, as a last resort. It was not my first choice. And I did other things. Sometimes I took the flash or that light off and I sort of held it arm's length uh, to create a little you know, angle of light or make it a little higher so it wasn't directly in their face. Uh, it was a little more physically demanding to hold the camera with one hand, shoot video, and then hold the light with another hand. Um, but again, uh, that direct flash or direct lighting look isn't the most flattering. So I would avoid that at all costs. And uh, don't be afraid to experiment. Experiment outside the wedding. You can experiment with portrait shoots. I mean, going back to Mark, this wasn't even a case of a photographer that was just starting out. He's very established in the community. He has lots of great camera gear. It's not a matter of cost. He could definitely afford anything he wanted. That was his choice to run that setup. I would recommend that you very much stay on the trends of photography. See what's popular. See what's new and fresh. You know, one of the reasons I still use places like Instagram to 
and follow a lot of other wedding photographers or portrait photographers is I like to see what people are doing. And, you know, the really popular ones are onto a formula or a setup that, that works really well. Um, I mean, there's a lot of natural light photographers, and that's usually something that I'm forcing myself to do more of. I like to bring an off-camera flash, and I use that a lot. But then I like to force myself to think, okay, I want to get a natural light photo in this situation. And then I, I have to switch my gears and my brain a little differently to look at it and see, okay, I got to I gotta frame this shot differently. I can't set it up the same way that I would using off-camera flash. And that way I can create a variety or uh, going natural light allows me to shoot faster, move more freely, lets me get more natural situations. Like I don't have to pose it as much or I can get them when they're transitioning from one setting to another. Um, there's lots of options when I can shoot natural light. So I, again, I bring that up again just so that I can point out that that's not really my strong suite. I, I tend to use a lot of off-camera flash and uh, I like to force myself, challenge myself to try different things, to get a lot more variety. And I think overall having more tools in the toolbox makes you a better photographer and it makes you more desirable for your clients. Makes you more marketable product. It allows you to raise your prices because if you've got more demand for your services, more people are going to be inquiring for you, and then your dates are going to book. And if you find that you're booking out, then you can start charging more, so you don't have to work as hard. And that's just kind of the nature of the market. And uh, so, just staying flat, shooting the same thing all the time, isn't always going to be the best formula for you. So, just want to share those quick thoughts. Hey, Mark, if you're listening, I love you, man, and. Be sure to hit me up on Twitter at Eric Leslie Photo if you have any questions or any feedback for this episode. I'd love to hear from you. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. And last but not least, if you know someone who would be interested in this podcast, please let them know. Tell them about it. I'd love to hear from them. Thanks so much. 